Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, Yas here, and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter, at TheCoachesNet. Once again, that's at TheCoachesNet. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest this afternoon is Laura Seth. Afternoon, Laura, how are you? I'm very well, Yas, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm really looking forward to this one, to be fair. Um, Laura, just before we get into the real thick of the conversation, maybe just a brief insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Yep. So um, I guess I've worked in sport and football for more than 20 years, which makes me feel older than I feel. Um, I've spent a good chunk of that time in football with the Football Association. Um, I guess I I guess I guess growing up, I was always um, passionate about football, played football, played for like my primary school boys team. Um, there probably wasn't the opportunities for young girls to play football as there are today. So I actually competed in athletics to a reasonable standard through sort of like my teenage years. Um, went to university, studied sports science, um, started working post university in in a gym and then an opportunity came up at the University of Bath I worked as a video analyst there so I'd done a bit of analysis within my um my degree program and yeah an opportunity came up and I guess I had probably like 12 to 18 months of working across multiple sports um so that included the team bath football team the netball super league team worked did some work with swimming tennis triathletes uh Bob Skeleton, funny enough, because they had a push start track at the um, University of Bath. So I had, I guess, had a really good grounding into the world of supporting coaches, supporting athletes, but across a, a multitude of sports. And then in 2006, I got the opportunity to join the, the Football Association or the English FA um, as a performance analyst. So I spent a number of years working with our international, um, our international teams, uh, male, female, youth through to senior teams at international tournament and probably more remote support for those um again got to, to work with some brilliant coaches brilliant players um was fortunate to be working with the england under 17 boys squad that won the european championships in 2010 so it's always nice to to win something the youth teams um since then have have, have done phenomenally well in terms of the trophies they're managing to bring home at the moment and then probably about 
I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I sort of started a transition more into um, our education provision and supporting the development of of analysis and insights within our within our education, um, yeah, provision, our learning uh, landscape, on courses, qualifications, programs, ongoing ongoing learning, and I guess that brings me to today. I work in our learning development team um, within our education division at the FA. Um, I lead a team of of I like to call them that they're probably background is at, is as analysts, but they're they're a little bit of a mix of analyst, coach, developer, learning designer who study the game to develop objective insights that help, I guess, help coaches understand more about the game. And then we create from that, um, hopefully, really um, good learning resources across a number of different platforms to support coach and player development. So that's probably like my career journey. Outside of that, I'm a keen runner. Um, you'll regularly find me at a park run on a Saturday morning and I'm mum to a six and a half year old who's rapidly growing all the time. And amazing, very, very amazing. Busy. <laughs> now amazing uh well look, first of all massive thank you for obviously being with me and obviously sharing your insights there in, around your career and your journey to date um it's got my mind thinking in so many different directions where to kind of start with um but let's go right to the back of the, the top of the conversation yeah. you know you talked there about getting into analysis through your degree and having some experience across that um and a large part of the reason why i put this podcast together was that Yes, it's largely for coaches and help, hopefully to help them develop their understanding and their expertise and, and and just generally, you know, develop as coaches. And but more specifically, it was almost to actually help people understand that for a lot of us, we go into coaching because maybe it's the next best thing to be in a player. It, it, at least it's then perceived. But also because we don't actually know what else is out there as an option to be involved in the game that we all have a passion for. So what was it for you? in particular about analysis that kind of really grabbed your eye and, and wh why was it analysis and you know you talked there a lot about the passion you had for football as a sport why analysis or was that just something that was kind of just exposed to you and you thought actually this is quite interesting yeah I think I've always been I've always been more of like a numbers person so like I was definitely better at maths than I was at English at school um, and I think really like I say it was a it was a module in my sports science degree at university, we're going back to like the early 2000s here. So it wasn't, it wasn't a massive, it wasn't the established discipline that it is today. So it was, it was, it was just like a second year module. There was no option in the third year. At the time, there was no like further study like master's degrees, which which there is now, which I actually went back in and did alongside some, the while alongside my work when I was at the University of Bath. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just an option that was intriguing, I guess, to start with. And then I actually did my dissertation in my final year li linked to linked to analysis. Um, and I think it probably probably the passion then comes from I'm someone that likes to help people. And like, you know, probably as many people said before, like I was never going to be the professional sports athlete, although maybe in my former years, I, I maybe held, held on to that dream. But like like many, like only a few make it right. So, yeah, the, ne the next best thing is to I guess I wanted to work in sport more than anything um if you can't be that athlete can you help someone else like achieve their goals and dreams I guess um so yeah it's more yeah I think it went hand in hand from that from opportunities that came up at the time um from a yeah a passion for like helping people and then having a yeah I guess a little bit of affinity with numbers and data uh, more so than than anything else and it's probably just a, a nice mix of that that sort of started mm. me on my journey to where where I am now 
So let's just talk about it because obviously you know you've done a lot since you've kind of initially got into it and you now progressed in many different different stuff and you may or not may not remember this we actually first met in 2016 on the a license a couple of years into your journey yep. um as, as you explained in terms of getting involved in the education piece and back then it was still this is analysis now it's very much moved away from that and it's not analysis anymore it's insights right um and analysis is just almost a part or a cog in the system of insights if you like if you like so there's a lot in there but i want to start by what, what does analysis actually look like because there's obviously people thinking well analysis is just you know clipping footage and putting it together or providing data and where, where do we begin with this and you know what and because there's so many different directions this can go in, right? And, and I'm just yeah. already thinking, blimey, that's a big question. But let's see what you yeah, come you're back t- with. You're telling me I'm the one that's got to try and answer it. <laughs> what is analysis? Look, I guess, I think it's ever evolving. Um, and you, you mentioned there, you know, clipping and tagging video. Like when I first started, that's pretty much like what I what I did. It was providing, you know, in, in the very early days. And, and again, probably going back to like my pre pre-working in football days, it was very much like supporting coaches with video evidence or supporting coaches and players with video evidence of their performance that enabled a more, I guess, objective lens or objective um, like view of, of what had actually happened. A lot, of, a lot of the work I did was like just making video libraries. Alongside that was, you know, generating some basic insight or statistical or objective data. So thinking back to some of the, the work I did with netball, you know, it was like conversion of shots from centre passes, um, conversions of backline passes through the courts to, to a to a shot at goal. And it was just, you know, very, I guess at the time, like quite superficial insight data that just gave a bit more of an objective lens on on performance. Like that's 20 odd years ago. I mean, you go into like the world of analysis today and you've got like the role that I do, which is very much in education around more insight. You've got you've got analysts that effectively coaches now sat on the bench on on yeah. match day supporting supporting the feedback that goes into the the decision making that's impacting the game in the game you've got you know you've got data providers that are capturing hundreds of thousands of data points um in a game that's being utilized by data data scientists by like machine god i might be doing these people disjustice but the people that work behind the data scientists like you know creating some of the the um i guess the infrastructure around how we maximize and use data effectively to like your grassroots coach is probably as back just wanting some video of performance to be able to have a really good conversation with a with a player about what they've seen or what the mm. player's seen so it's like it's it's massively evolving and growing there's so many you know in the professional game there's so you, you go into a you know a club in our premier league and there'll be analysts in double figures with different mm. specialisms within that experts in data visualization experts in in probably the game in those translators of the insight to the coaching conversation mm. so you know to go down into sort of our you know you know grassroots where you've got a coach who is doing their own analysis work so it's it's what is analysis is a very broad question and i hope i've done yeah, no, a little I think bit of justice just, um, there yeah and i think you did really well to do that so um but I think fundamentally, you know, just to take us back to the, you know, maybe what the general perception of what analysis is, right? It's, it's, it's as you quite rightly said, you know, it's evolved so many in so many ways over the last kind of couple of decades. Um, 
where predominantly it was very much related to objective data based on footage and 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 whatnot and obviously that's evolved massive so you you touched on a little bit there that and it kind of leads me into this question of is there more of an emphasis now for the analysis or the analyst rather to have more of an insight and an in-depth understanding of the coaching aspects of the game as well excuse me um i think in some roles yes like you know i don't think you can for, for me you can have a really really good analyst who can generate really good insight but if you can't translate that into a language that the coach or coaching team can understand to then apply to the work that they do with the players then I think you're, we're missing something so that ability to be able to understand the environment you're working in to understand the game to understand the way that the coaching team you're working with sees the game to then be able to provide insight that checks and challenges because I think that's an important one it's 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 an it's insight as much to challenge your subjective observations as it is to to confirm them mm. um and and within that comes like a I guess a really healthy environment where you can do that you can challenge with some objective insight and it be a the right environment and the right culture to be able to have a really productive conversation from that which is you know which is two-way it takes a very good analyst but it also takes a a very open-minded um coach but mm. ultimately hopefully you know you're working towards the same goal of trying to support the players to be the best that they can can be so that that I think the the understanding of the context environment is key but that doesn't mean going back to sort of answering the previous question that you can't have people like who because because I guess because the specialisms within the field of analysis are so broad now to expect someone that has amazing data science skills to also have a very good knowledge of the mm. game and to be able to do the whole spectrum it's probably asking a little bit too much but if you've got yeah. the right people in the right roles yeah. then I think you can have a really effective well I think team. I think it's a great point because what it just makes me think that you know it, it just puts increased emphasis for me on terms of how important it is to work in a collaborative way and actually having that multiple disciplinary approach whether it is you, you know going that EMD approach or whether it's actually just actually what can we learn from one another I remember when, when I when I first started going into academy football um one of the earliest things I remember thinking was there's experts in different areas of the game here I would be foolish not to lean on them even if they're not the most expert person they're in that role because they've got an expertise to an extent right so they, they'll have insights that I don't have and um it's interesting so you know looking at it from that perspective is how do we use the information together how do we come together to actually extract what we can from this and so you know that kind of leads me into thinking well let's look at it you know you talked about your role overseeing a team of people who are maybe traditionally analysts um but fundamentally looking to provide insights on the game and you know, hopefully create resources as a result of that what type of insights are we looking at here where you know if coaches are now looking at this thinking yeah that's great you but laura you work for the fa you got all these fantastic um apps and this and that that you can use to draw this information you've got on you know this is your dedicated time that you can do what what types of things are we going after in the first instance that might be that might be considered useful insights for coaches to lean on yeah so no brilliant question um probably again across a, a spectrum of areas so like 
some of the work that you you potentially experienced on your A license a few years ago, but is, is a common part of that that course now and a part of our learning off more broadly is to support the coach to review their own coaching. So that, you know, fundamentally that can be sometimes as simple as just having a camera reviewing your own coaching, um, reviewing, you know, is, is the session set up in a way to meet the outcomes that you intend for it to happen? Is the way in which you articulate some of the sessions to the players done in a way that maximizes their opportunity to to understand what you're talking about your intervention you know the different types of interventions that 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 you're utilizing your coach pos your positioning on the training pitch and that's just one area where fundamentally we're probably just using video and maybe some simple like tags to break it down into outcomes um interventions um player engagement just to look at a couple of different way i guess providing a coach with a few different lenses through which to reflect their own practice is like one small example of some of the work that we do mm. when we're talking probably around more insight driven work a lot of it comes around trying to support the development of practices that are realistic to the demands of the game so an example being um, we've done a lot of work around insight into goal scoring so from studying the game, it's male, female, from senior level all the way down, we've done some work right down to looking how under seven score goals. We're looking at, you know, things like where, where is the, what is the location of the strike at goal? What is the technique that the player uses? Where is the assist coming from? And once we've got some like information like that, we can start thinking about, okay, the practices that we're developing around finishing the attack around goal scoring mm. are we providing the players with the opportunity to practice the variety of techniques that we see goals being scored from whether that's a strike through the laces mm. a um a pass across the goal a volley a yeah. header are our practices allowing, enabling players to practice the techniques are they enabling players you think about pitch geography and your practice mm. design are are the players taking in their sessions um strikes from you know the different areas in which goals generally are scored from are yeah. our, are our are our assists because assists again come from a variety of locations mm. again are our practices providing the players with the opportunities to practice the demands that the game uh presents to them so i think just to bring that to life a little bit more i can remember and this is working at international level like looking at some you know crossing and finishing sessions where you'd have a collection of balls probably halfway between the halfway line and the 18 yard box the ball would be played out to the the wide player in the fullback who take a touch, they'd whip across in, mm. have a goalkeeper, probably a couple of static mannequins and two players running to get on the end of it. Well, our insight would suggest that not many goals are scored from that mechanism of assist. Yeah. So again, it just yeah. starts thinking about it. Do the practices we put on, you know, are they realistic to the, the demands that the game provides? A different re Recognising that, again, yeah. it's very different if you're working with under sevens to like, a senior team and that can be as simple now as you want to translate that back to some of the coaches that might be listening that don't have their insight it just might be when I'm observing our games what am I noticing about how goals are being scored yeah where are the so. how many touches are the players taking yeah. before they score where's that assist coming from and then we can start thinking about within my practices that I do around that theme of the game are yeah. they designed in a way that replicates the, the demands of the game yeah fundamentally you're saying you, you're looking at drawing on the insight which can inform the representative design of your practices right yeah. and I think um it, it's a great point because you know like you said you know if we go back to finishing as an example how many times do people see you, know, you see people finishing practice from the edge of the box but how many goals are actually scored from there um and it's not the case of 
well, because there's not enough goal scorer from there, so we want to develop that. Yes, that, that's that's great. We did, and there is that argument, but actually, what is the likelihood of what they're going to get in a game, and how often are they good? You know, are they converting those chances, um, as opposed to just not just the ones that are being scored, but actually where they're being created and maybe not converted as well. So I, I think it's a re- it's a really great point, right? Because fundamentally, yes, you you know you can use all the apps and all the things you want, but this can be done at a very basic level, and you know, it, it, I often ask the question the coaches thinking well what information can we draw on you know especially in today's you know today's game you pretty much most grassroots clubs have got vo now you can just watch a game back if you've got that if not it might be as simple as actually not to a t but okay well let's just make a note of where the goal was scored we just again just to show how uncomplicated this is we've done a lot of like i said a lot of work around goal scoring the insight was collected from watching video and populating an excel spreadsheet there was yeah. actually no no fancy analysis software yeah. involved. It was literally, you know, it was as simple as being pen and paper. We just had we just had an Excel yeah. spreadsheet and a number of different categories that we populated with the insight, which then we were able to translate into some actionable stuff that we've just spoken about. A hundred percent. So, you know, and then even just like you said, a pen and paper, and even without the video, you can still be done, right? Because this could be a yeah. task that you could set the parents or you can set with a co-coach or even the players watching on the bench. And it just, again, directs their attention around more about actually observing the game rather than just looking at what's happening if that makes sense and getting yeah. drawn into the ball itself so yeah i think it's quite useful for us to kind of look at that and say well actually even on a very basic level there's still something that coaches can take away and without having the resources and all those other bits because that'll always be the argument right well it's, it's all well and good you know you but you work for the fa laura so if from that then you know what what have you seen in terms of how that's then influenced and, and changed Coaching probably more so in the grassroots communities where maybe there's less access to analysts, there's less access to you know, all these other bits. I think, yeah, I think you've got to recognise that when we're when we're talking about like coaching the grassroots, we're, we're talking about like volunteers effectively, right? People mm. that have got a day job and then they you know, and they're coming to do their passion, which is probably like helping helping players. And I think it's you know it's just recognising that there are there are different things out there that can help. They can probably also hinder, right? So again, it's just picking and choosing what, you know, we're all different and what what might help us as different individuals. So, you know, we you, you mentioned like VO is a again the, the camera system that that enables us to sort of record some record the games and get some basic video. Like I'd be more interested in how then the coach is using that effectively to impact whether that's a conversation with a player, whether that's a review, whether that's just for themselves to reflect and review upon the game a bit more rationally away from the emotion of the the pitch side or from a different lens because you've got a different bit of elevation and you can see things differently I'm I'm guess I'm far, my passion lies I'm far more interested in how we work with some of this insight as opposed to the the breadth of what we can capture if that if that makes sense so you know I mentioned before you can have we we now on games can have hundreds of thousands of different data points like if we can't like make sense of that and use it in a way that impacts performance positively, then do we need 100,000 different data points? If we just can have, you know, a video could be as powerful, but used more effectively, if that makes sense. So I think, you know, I guess going back to the question, it's it's just about recognising what, you know, what, what can help. Mm. And it doesn't have to be something that's all singing or dancing. Like you say, it can be just having a little bit more of an objective lens on how you're observing the game. Mm. So, you know, there might be certain things you're working on in training 
And it might be, well, just focus your observations on how effective that is being translated in match day rather than trying to like take in absolutely, absolutely everything. Because it is impossible for us to process everything that happens in a game and remember it all effectively to provide you know, mm. feedback afterwards or to inform our reflection. So just being more specific in how we observe can have a massive impact on our ability then to to support the players in developing their skills, techniques, strategies on a on an ongoing basis. No, again, you just got me thinking, speaking, I'm thinking now, you know, you, you're talking about general insights, how that can support the development of practices and obviously the coaching coaching delivery off the grass as well as supporting you know, coaches with their observation on it. Um, and more specifically, just kind of brings the truth to me, that old saying of, you know, a notepad remembers more than your mind does. Um, so, but now I'm thinking, well, actually, using that, using the insights, using the thing, what, what are some of the things that you maybe encourage coaches to start to look at as how they can apply this stuff and maybe utilise insights or look at ways of breaking down individual performance? Because obviously a, a massive discussion that takes place in a lot of coaching environments at the moment is around individual development plans. Yeah. How do we support players individually? You know, what you know, it's all well and good. We can support the teams. We've got the observation of how they played as a team and whether it translated from the practice to the, to the match day and vice versa. Um, but what, what are some of your experiences and observations around how it's, you know, how some of the data and what kind of data might be useful within individual development plans and how maybe that is potentially best presented as well? Yeah, no, brilliant question. I think, and it, do you know what, it's an area that I'm, it intrigues me, right? Because, again, I think back to some of my, um, I guess, some of my experiences of working in the applied field. And one of the things that we do after every game would be, to just like tag every player's sort of like touch or, or influence in the game. So effectively, rather than having an 80, 90 minute game, again, depending on how long you're playing for, um, the player will probably end up with 10 or 15 minutes of footage to re review. And I think, you know, that 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 would be common practice in most um, academies um, up and down the country today. And again, with the advent of like the online tools and technologies, um, such as, a you know, Huddle or a Coach Logic, we can put content in online spaces for players to review. Where what I think is really important is it's how we frame that for the player to view. So like we're all different. Um, we will all like I'm probably an individual that is a little bit like glass half empty. So I would I would get my clips and I probably would see more of the negative or I see everything I've done not quite right and I've got quite um I've got probably perfectionist tendencies. So I've got I've got high expectations. And I probably would perceive myself quite negatively. And that can have a really like negative impact on me. Similarly, opposite end of the spectrum, you probably all work with players who think they're just like the best player in the world. And they could review and just see all the really brilliant things. There might be some stuff in there that they could learn from. So for me, it's really important as coaches how we how we frame some of this stuff with players. So for me, what might be a good thing is, Laura, I want you to go and have a look at your, your 10 minutes of clips from the game. And I want you to come back um, in a couple of days time and tell me the three things that you did really well in that game. Now, straight away, I've got like a different lens on how I'm observing that game because I'm going to be looking for some of the good stuff rather than my preconceived perception of probably looking at the not so good stuff. Similarly, I think it's like, you know, you mentioned individual development plans there. I think it's that it's that collaborative conversation between player and coach. So what's the player want to work on? What does the coach want to work on? And having some sort of an agreed framework there. And this would be exactly the same when we're talking about a, a reference back earlier, you know, using insight to support coach development and looking yeah. at the coach. What 
what is that collaborative plan? But, what's the player trying to get good at? What What's the coach's perception? And can we identify the two, three things that we can use as a, I guess, a stimulus for our observations or our, our mm. conversations about performance? Yeah, no, it just really, it's interesting because it gets me thinking, right? It's, it's, individual developments are so interesting to me and in how different clubs and different organisations, just coaches in general view them. And there's always that debate, right? It's, well, what's the purpose of the individual development plan? Because I, th- I do genuinely believe there's a there's a lot of good work going on. Um, but I also believe a lot of it is just tick boxing. Um, and it's almost like, well, is this really an individual development plan or is it just a piece of paper that says it's, it's got a plan on it? Um, and what I really mean by that is how much of this is actually to suit the needs and the wants of the individual um, and comparison to that, to the needs and wants of the organisation in collaboration with that. Uh, how much of this is just a tick box success for EPPP if, if, that's, if you're working in an academy? Um, or in, in if you're working in a grassroots setting, how much of this is just a, is just a, a tick box to, be able to say, yeah, parents, we're, we're doing individual development plans. Um, is it purposeful? Is it meaningful? Is it intentional? And you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, what your experience around what an effective approach to an individual development plan should be and how it should be presented. Because I think the other challenge is also within it is that understandably so we try and standardize the process as well uh, and in the conversations i've been having recently with a lot of coaches well i don't think it can be standardized because if it's if it's individual then it's individual i'm not responding to actually this is the format that laura's put it in no i need footage and that's all i'm interested in i don't need all of this other stuff because this does the job for me so you know what what are your thoughts on that in, in terms of how it should be best presented should it be standardized should it not obviously i understand from a logistical standpoint, how it becomes a little bit more simpler and yeah. easier to kind of manage it if it is standardised. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It's a bit I of think, a fully loaded question, though. No, no, it's okay. No, I've got a few. It's fine. I think ultimately, right, we're trying to support the development of the individual player. So therefore, it has to meet the needs of that individual player. So for me, it has to be a very collaborative conversation, whether that's player, coach parent again depending where you are on that um you know in terms of that coaching and playing context like it has to has to meet the needs of that player and don't really know the coach obviously with that player is going to have like a lens and a viewpoint but I think we have to ensure that the player's voice is included in that as well so what are they keen to get better at and work on what does the coach think they could be better at or what does the coach think is one of their super strengths that they want to continue to build upon and by having you know, having a, you know, a good, robust conversation where there's parity in voice in that conversation for me is critical to support in that individual development plan. Again, what that looks like in terms of, you know, that could be for a player. I don't actually need to see video, but I just want to have like a five, 10 minute conversation with you a couple of days after the game. For some, they, you know, players want to look at more or they'll want data as well as a video. And I think it is recognising that that individual difference. I I can imagine people listening who are, you know, maybe in working that environment going, no, but it needs to have some sort of framework. And I get I get that from a logistic point of view. But I think if you can zoom out from that and fundamentally, if we're really looking at supporting the individual needs of that player, it has to be a very much an individualised process. So it's just on that because you know you you, expect, you you explained earlier that you had obviously experiences working with um, the under 17s in, in the national tournament and things like that and obviously mm-hmm. a massive obviously fundamental difference is obviously you're not working with these players on a day to day you're not around them on a day to day how does that how does that then you know conflict because I'm not thinking from a wider spectrum obviously not everyone's going to be in a situation you were but there may be in situations where they're working with players or also playing elsewhere 
where these processes may also be carried out in this organization as well as that one. So, you know, how much of an influence does that have and, how, and what kind of considerations are you, are you taking into play there where you're thinking, well, is this individual plan aligned to the organization and how the individual fits in here? Is it aligned to supporting what the individual individuals got already in place elsewhere? Is it two separate processes? Is it collaborating the two processes? Is it trying to meet the needs and the outcomes of both? And, you know, what, what are your considerations within that? And what, what would you advise as good practice in that in that context? I think fundamentally the principles should be the same, right? So again, we're trying to support the development needs of that specific individual player, recognizing that you've just probably got like an you've just got an extra like voice in that. So you've got a player who's in a club environment mm. and will be have you know will be having you know and that's where the majority of their contact time is, right? So as an in, you know in an international environment, you're almost effectively borrowing that player for a a few days, weeks, period. You've also, I guess, got a, a philosophy within the club. You'll have a philosophy within the international environment. For me, it's, you know, in an ideal world, you you want you want consistency. But I guess you've got to recognise if the demands of what the player, the club wants to do, do. I'm trying to think of play. I'm thinking when I'm saying demands, I'm thinking of like playing style and playing philosophy, roles and responsibilities that player. You know, if they're slightly different, they might be like separate, slightly different development plans. But I think the key is that the the collaborative transparency between everyone that's involved in what that is and why it is with, again, with the player having an equal voice in in that as well. So principally, for me, it's the it's the same. Mm. You've just got a slightly you've just probably got, you know, more. Say voices at the table, I don't mean that negatively, you, you've just got you've just got to you've just got to be, work hard on collaboratively. So yeah. again, I, I can't necessarily I know I'm not. I'm not in the environment with our national squads now, but going back, you know, seven or eight years, our, our international coaches were regularly in contact with the clubs as they are now. They're talking about how the players are performing when they're with us. Mm. They're finding out a little bit more about how the players are doing on a day-to-day basis from their club. And principally, you're just, you know, you're just trying to get to a the best the best outcome for the player. Which, you know, if if we can all leave our egos at the door, like that's what we're trying to we're trying to give the players the best chance to be the best possible version of themselves to achieve you know their potential ultimately yeah 100 percent. and i think you're spot on in terms of that and i think leaving the ego at the door is the difficult part for most coaches isn't it um because it's then that piece of well why am i taking advice and guidance of you when i know my stuff and, and vice versa right and it, i think the challenge can i'm thinking i'm thinking myself Let's take it out of the you know the international context now. There's going to be loads of pl- loads of players that are being worked with at the moment by the coaches listening to this now. Where it's like, well, Laura plays as this position in my environment, but Laura plays as this position in my environment, um, and it's almost, well, I see Laura as a as a right winger, or no, I see Laura as a number ten. I said, well, how much how much that is a, is a bit of a contradiction there, isn't it? In, in, in that. Well, I don't want it to be doing these things, and I don't want it to be doing these things, and, and the player's kind of stuck in the middle where they're just kind Maybe of leaning off the best what guidance. Does what does Laura want? Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> and I think this is the question sometimes, and I think this is the challenge. And I often say to coaches, and I've, and I've had the you know the opportunity to work with a lot of players this season where they're trying to get themselves into that pathway of building a part, you know, building a career a career in the game as as senior pros eventually. Um, and I've the conversation I often have with a lot of them, especially with the parents, and I think the parents are a massive part to play in this, is yes, your child might be a centre forward. Yes, your child might be whatever. But the question is, are they more concerned with that? 
or are they more concerned professional? Because fundamentally, yeah, your child can play a centre forward, but if you're looking at the landscape of what's out there, what's... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And it's impossible, but they don't fit the profile of what, what, the, what the game is expecting for that player to look like at that level. Yeah. They may be able to play at that level, but they might be playing at tier five, as an example. Um. But they've got the capabilities, the skill sets and the individual um, qualities to be able to excel in, I don't know, not a centre forward, but maybe a, a fullback at that level. So what's more important? So I think there is that piece of what does the player want? What does the player need is something different, right? Um, and setting, it's having that clear and open expectation and conversation with uh, the player in question and obviously the people that are supporting that. But then it's almost, I, 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 in a roundabout way, I'm trying to get to the point of, how important is it that these coaches do communicate? And you hear about all these individual coaches that are working with players at the moment these days as well. How you know how important do you think that part is in terms of them getting involved in that process and be able to share that information? Because it's a it's a massive 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 thing. And you're talking about you know if we go back to your specialism around insights and you know looking at objective data. Well, the objective data is there, yes, but it's still perception, right? Because it's how do you view that data to be influencing and impacting on the development or the needs of that individual before even extending itself into that conversation? I know it's a bit long winded there, but I hopefully you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, maybe look, I probably live in a world of eternal optimism that we can all get on well and work together, right, to meet the the needs to to, to meet the needs of the common goal here, which is ultimately supporting the player to be the best that they can be. The world of um, you know, the world of football is ever evolving. The fact that, you know, I guess you, if it's hard, isn't it? Right. Because if you're a player and you succeed professionally, you've got a very, very good career in front of you that bring that reaps lots and lots of rewards. So you can understand why you've got, you know, why we've got an increase in like individual development coaches or like nutritionists or chefs coming in. Because, you, you know, you want to give the individual the, be- the best chance for me. The way of enhancing that is making sure that the whole infrastructure around the player is 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 open and communicating to meet the best needs not of, of that player. And then you, you mentioned something else there that got me on a different train of thought, which was I think around oh, I can't remember what it was you said. Um, and I've lost my train of thought. It was linking, you know, I guess it's like all the different bits of oh, absets come back to me. You were saying like the, the perception of the data, right? Which I, but for me, whatever that data is, the coach or the individual who's like working with that has got to, I'm going to say own, that's not, not, not the right word, but it's got to understand what that means and support what that means. So it's, you know, we, like, I'm, I'm going to rewind some really like simple stuff now, but like we could talk about crosses, right? And if you've got like, you know, a number related to the amount of crosses that went in the game, and then your coach is like going, well, actually, that's not a cross. That's not a cross. That's not a cross. Loses lane com- complete like faith in the insight. That's a, that's a really like simple example. But I guess what I'm trying to get to is like 
if we're using insight and data to inform, support, challenge our decision making, it's got to be insight and data that everyone understands and it's interpreting in the same way and, and agrees with. So we're not having yeah. a conversation about whether it's across or not. Yeah. We're having a more effective conversation about are there's we a general consensus around skills? what across is defined as essentially. Yeah, yeah. We've you've got you've got to in yeah, we've got to ensure that we're all on the same page in terms of um what that data is. No, so you know, I think you make a great point. I think it does need to be a generally kind of agreed upon definition of what that looks like. And I think that one of the biggest challenges that come with this, right, is when you've got players moving from environment to environment. Um, you know, and certainly I've had, to be fair, even as coaches generally, to be fair, I mean, you know, you come you come through different environments, you work with different coaches and you have you know, the same language gets regurgitated so many times. But actually the definitions and the meanings are behind all these things can be very distorted in terms of going from here to here to here. Um, how much of that is taken into consideration in terms of when you know when you're looking at this this data piece and even the insights that you guys are drawing together as a team? Yeah, it's 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 important. I think it's important to articulate what um, and I'll rewind. One of the things that we're as an as a team within the FA and our educational vision are keen to do whenever we're presenting or sharing insight we are very clear up front what we're defining things as because what we don't want is a conversation in the room of like well is that cross or is it not cross like we're very you know in our worlds we're defining crosses this and for the purpose of the data we're going to share next and the discussion we're going to have around it this is what we're meaning to be as a cross and it's trying to like we don't really want a conversation in the room about the merits of whether a cutback from this area or going traveling this distance is a is a cross or not we want we want we want to have a conversation about what that insight might mean in terms of effective practice design or individual player development or the development of core skills or you know whatever the outcome might be so i think it's i just think it's being like really clear and transparent of what things are and what things aren't not trying to hide things just being upfront with it i think it's you know it's interesting you were, you you talked about i guess coaches like moving roles and then taking different things with them i think it's no coincidence that in in the professional game now when a coach moves an analyst often goes with them again because of the closeness of that relationship probably the you know the insight and data that they're used to working with the whole i guess you know the, the process goes goes with them so that's you know that's an, another i guess element of like consistency in in knowing what you're getting but it's again it's just keep probably coming back to it it's just being effective conversations and being open and honest and transparent and we're all working towards the same thing and being you know being within a culture that enables those conversations to to occur and that knowledge to be shared on on equal parity yeah and i think it's really interesting you said obviously you know, you're looking at building relationships in terms of how close that analyst and you know that coach relationship goes so it it then makes me think okay let's take it out of the professional world for a second let's look at the majority of coaches who might be listening to this are probably grassroots coaches or in between that that kind of transition phase into it um how do they then start to use this data and what what kind of what kind of um guidance would you give them around what maybe frameworks or processes they could start to implement now to start trying to if you like 
or rather, yeah, what process could they potentially follow to start to develop that framework of what this could look like for them? Where could they start with this? And I know we talked briefly about the, the goals and assists sort of piece and doing a yeah. pen and paper. But, I, you know, I, I even go back to thinking, actually, when I, you know, even when I went to um, do my UA for B several years ago, even on there, there was a piece around around an analysis and just using pen and paper just to get some objective piece around types of passes that are being played and whatnot. So, you know, what what would you say is a good a good place to start? Because, and how much of that is then influenced and informed by a phrase that I don't like, but the game model of the coach. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that before I said it. Um, I think it it it, it heavily influences it, right? So if you're if you're trying to coach your players to play in a particular way. Now, whether that's like your coach's philosophy, game model, whatever you want to call it, whether that's the way that actually right now is the best way to play for the skills that the players have got, whatever whatever the motivation is for what the way you want to play is. I think in in our, I guess our simple terms of what, you know, what I call our bread and butter analysis of just evaluating game performance. You want to be evaluating performance against what you're trying to do. So having that clarity on what, style let's go style what style you want your team to play in or what you want from individual players in specific positions on 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 the field of play that for me is very much like your starting point what you want to do is be able to evaluate that effectively to understand if it is working well recognizing that the opponent's going to bring you different different challenges and it's probably then you know designing a simple way and it has to be simple and we're in the grassroots world right like I said right at the outset these are people volunteering their time to coach so Mm. we start trying to get like too complex it's not going to be something that's going to work so it's just keeping it really simple what insight is going to help me like evaluate the team unit individual performances more effectively than I can just through my subjective um, subjective observations mm. and that might be just looking at it in a particular area of the pitch rather than trying to look at the game as a whole but for mm. me simplicity simplicity is key but it's got to be based on the objectives you've got with your team and players yeah and it's just kind of made me think about two different things really here and it's just how does that lend itself to um, informing practice design around potentially position specific elements of work um, but also then looking at well how does how and I I believe that you'd probably agree it does heavily but how does that then influence and then play a key role in match day performance targets yeah so you um go repeat the first part of the question again yeah so the the first bit was just looking at how how this then potentially if I explain to you how I've understood it you can clarify whether I misunderstood or not but fundamentally what you're saying is well we're looking at what the roles and you know the typical actions and the game moments of players around the pitch right and then I'm thinking, well, OK, fine. Well, how does that then inform potentially position specific practice design if we're going into that aspect of things yeah. at all? Because um, fundamentally, we need to know, right, well, if this is my phrase, that I don't like game model um, and we're breaking it down in that way. Well, actually, there's going to be set movements, set patterns, set things that we're going to hopefully have an ideal um, an ideal framework of, which will then inf- you know inform more actually as a fullback we're looking to play from back to front as quick as possible well as a fullback a lot of my actions will be knocking the ball long rather than short sharp passes in, in and around yeah. that you know that area of the pitch so how does that then inform practice design well it, it fundamentally should but does yes. it actually have we actually got the data which aligns to what the quote-unquote game model should look like or what we want it to yeah. look like what the style of play is and then 
are we aware of actually that breakdown and actually then you know subsequently given that roles and responsibilities if you like yeah to each role and then again how does that then link itself in and influence potential match day targets yeah. are we looking at these as data points which then link into that does that make sense yeah yeah no perfect sense um for me i guess one of the phrases i like to use is you know what are some of the challenges the game presents so what are some of the things that the players and and this all this all look di- different the challenges the game presents will be very very different if you're pep guardiola trying to win the champions league to your, your grassroots coach coaching your under eights or your under under nines in 5v5 or 7v7 you know what i guess it's like having an effective way of observing the game to understand the challenges that the game presents the players and this might again this just might be through just some more clarity on what you're observing rather than needing any form of like data or video to to support or challenge um but what are the what's the challenge the game presents you know in the attacking half the defending half scoring goals stopping goals what are some of the things that the players in their individual roles and responsibilities are going to need to do to overcome the challenges that the game presents, which is exactly what you, I think you were saying there, Yaz, in terms of like that, you know, the position specific nature. And and therefore, are the training sessions that we do supporting the players develop some of those skills and attributes that they're going to need to take into game day to overcome the challenges that the game presents? And that that can be just having greater clarity in your observations that can be supported through some basic insight and analysis, whether that's collecting it on pen and paper, whether that's just having a video for you to review and be a little bit more objective in reviewing the game outside of that in-game moment where emotions are a little bit higher. Um, That could be something far more complex. But ultimately, I think the principles that underpin it are consistent regardless of the resource you've got to support in that. What are the challenges of the game that presents? What, therefore, what skills and attributes attributes the players need in order to overcome those challenges in that game are our training sessions supporting the development of those skills and attributes yeah so then i guess you know well kind of answered the question that well fundamentally will have an influence on it right it it should influence it It should be directly linked to that it it will just tie in as an extra resource for players to kind of lean in on um you know and i'm conscious that you know again we can go in so many different directions i've got so many questions in my head right now but i'm thinking to myself right how do we make this the most relevant conversation possible and it's how much of this would you would you share with players at the start of the year so i'm now looking at right if this is the way that we want our teams to play can i gather some best best case or best practice footage of the of the teams of the players because this is something that I've, I've started to challenge some coaches that i'm supporting on at the moment and in do your players actually understand it? have they even got any reference points have you even got a reference point for yourself as to what it looks like for this to be done well if that makes sense yeah, I'd go back probably to a bit of our earlier conversation, how much we involve in the players in this conversation. So you talk about the start of the season. Is that the coach telling the players this is how we're going to do it? How much are the players involved in that conversation? How much are the players involved in the conversation of what like our strengths and weaknesses are as individuals, as a collective? And what might this mean for how we go and approach like the game? And, you know, for, again, like, again, I might live in like eternal optimism world. But that collaborative nature, I think, is critical for like engagement in training sessions, engagement in game plans and ultimately performance. I'll give you just one example from from a few years ago of working with a group of players. We were trying. We were traditionally right. We we would we had a way, I guess, of if we were playing a particular team. And this is this is coming into 
youth football, but in our international environment. But I think the principles is applied to the conversation we're having. Um, we would traditionally review some of the games of our opponents, recognise some of their strengths and weaknesses, um, sort of edit that down into a four or five minute video to tell the players this is what the opposition do. And then the training sessions with those players will be built, built, built upon, um, recognise, you know, our, don't get me wrong, using our game style philosophy, but also with an eye on, OK, what do we need to be really good at within our like style and philosophy to exploit the opponent's weaknesses? And what do we need to be more wary of because of their strengths? So that's like the traditional way. But basically, coach, analysts coming together, reviewing it, telling the players. We've like flipped that on the head. We basically gave the players sort of probably like a 30 minute overview of like three games that they then watched themselves. So they were like tasked with, OK, in your position within your unit, what do you recognise the strengths and weaknesses are of, of the opponent? And they effectively came up with the game plan. Well, I think this that's, is so I guess important. that's what I'm talking about, that collaborative like yeah. nature rather than like this is our game model. Yeah. Tell the players how how can we how can we have how can we have some collaboration and buying from the players? So when you're working in training, they understand why you're doing what you're doing. And you know, when you're going to games and you're setting up in particular ways, again, understanding and buying into that process. Well, I think this is so important, right? Because fundamentally what you're doing is you're getting the players to share their understanding of what they what they perceive to be the impactful variables on them, right? Dependent variables. Yeah. Um, and I think that piece is so important because, you know, it, it always takes me back to a, a conversation I have with coaches around, oh, yeah, my team has been excellent at playing out from the back. Yeah, but no one's ever pressed you. Yeah. Has You know, so are, are you actually paying attention to that bit? Are the players even aware that actually, oh, yeah, this isn't why it's working? I remember it just takes me back to a recent conversation I had with a player, in fact, about a month or two ago where, they're playing in the game and they came to me just before half time and said, oh, you know, it's it's not working. As in whatever the strategy, the agreed strategy was, it's not working. I'm thinking to myself, OK, I, I, I get that. But it's not not working because you're not doing your job. It's not working because someone else over there isn't doing theirs. So yeah. your job and the way that you're doing it is dependent on them then also doing theirs. And, you know, understand that relationship between different roles in the team, I think, is also a really key part of this. And then it allowed me to then ex ex express to them, oh, actually, no, this piece is happening here. This is what impacts on this. But even just getting them to have that collaborative conversation between each other and say, well, actually, if I'm doing this and I'm pressing up here as a left winger and Laura's a left back, well, I need Laura to press up as well, because yeah. otherwise, if I get beat, we're, we're finished. You know, they're wide yeah. open, but I need Laura to, you know, Laura needs to follow my press. If Laura's not doing that and I get beat, and the, the key thing is here is, the way that we set it up was I don't mind if I'm the one that gets beat, but we're, we're approaching this in a, in a way where we're open to me being beat, knowing that law is there. Yeah. And if that's not there, then obviously fundamentally it's not going to work. So it, I think it's so important for us to understand those variables, how they then play a key role in the overall strategy of the team and then the individual roles within that. So I think it's really important for coaches then to look at that thinking, well, what is actually impacting on here? You talk, you know, if you go back to your example of the crossing and finishing, well, where are the crosses coming from? Is there a correlation between where the crosses are coming from, where the opportunities are being created to actually then go, get, get goal scoring opportunities? Um, and then fundamentally beyond that, it's well, yeah, that's where a lot of crosses are coming from. But where are they actually being converted from? What's more important then? And you know, how do you prioritise that? Because you just want to get repetition of the things that are actually happening in the game. But is it the finishes that you're focusing on or is it the actual ones that aren't being converted? And then you're recreating off the back of that. Yeah, I guess just going back to like, you know, that example of the left wing pressing and the left back not necessarily supporting, 
that can be a really effective conversation mm -hmm. fueled by a couple of video clips but getting the right people together to discuss this is the problem the game's presenting us this is what we're trying to solve these are our you know our what do you think your individual role and responsibility is here if this happens what do you do, do, do mm -hmm. I, it's just we don't need any fancy like insight and data video clips the right people in the right room for an effective conversation can potentially like solve that problem in a really simplistic way but this is all an afterthought right <laughs> having the data at the later point is after it's an afterthought so i think it's i guess you know leaning on leaning, leaning you know objective in key ways and get in there straight away and nail that in the moment without having that footage to relay back to but if you're i guess if you're building and this is where for me like we're going into a slightly different area now but again what i'm massively passionate about like if we can build effective off-field coaching sessions where we're having those conversations and we're, ha we're having players that are part of that time and time again they're practicing some of the skills and attributes they're going to need to be able to solve them in the moment on the pitch so if they can do it you know if it's like oh, i recognize that you're doing that and if you're doing that i need to do this and that might yeah. be a conversation fuel with a video clip in an off-field coaching environment yeah once we start i think the more and more we could be comfortable doing that the more and more that's going to transfer to being recognizing that in the moment on the pitch and be able to solve it in the moment on the pitch and not waiting for a retrospective conversation after the moment's happened. Sure. And I, I love that you brought that up because, you know, that off-field piece is something I've done a lot of collaboration with Katie and Sion as well. Yeah. And it's something that I'm trying to really encourage a lot of the coaches I'm supporting and I'm working with to think about as well. So just, just talk a little bit about that. What, what exactly is off-field coaching and you know, how, yeah. how can coaches view that? Because you really beamed up as you started talking about it. <laughs> I can tell it's an area of fashion, right? It's, it's you know, fundamentally, right? From a physical point of view, there's only so much time you can spend on the field of play. Um, there are another 22 hours in the day, is a, is a phrase I know our national teams have used. And I'm not saying we're talking football 22 hours a day. But again, it's just maximising some of the things we could do off the field to support the on-field play. And we call them team meetings or analysis sessions. I'm not a fan of the terminology. For me, they're just coaching sessions. They've just got a different context. And I'm a real firm believer that we can... If we utilise them effectively, we can practice and develop a number of the skills and attributes that we would we would probably if if you were, if I asked you to list all the skills and attributes you would you would want in a you know in a top player, I would suggest there's so many of those we could practice off the field that would be transferable on the field. So you know, decision maker, observation, communication, probably all skills that we'd want a player to have. By by setting up environments off the field, whether that's using a video clip as a stimulus, whether that's a conversation you have with a player just walking out onto the training field or in, in the change rooms, whether that's exchanging a couple of WhatsApp messages, um, they're all, all scenarios we can maximise to support the development of those skills and attributes that are tran transferable. So the, the example I just gave there of, you know, the, the left back and the left winger coming together, that could just be a conversation to understanding each other's roles, responsibilities, understanding each other's viewpoints of the game. And if we've got them doing that on a regular basis, I firmly believe there's far more. There's far more chance of them being able to solve that problem. On the pitch in the moment, which is ultimately what we want to do, right? We don't we don't as a coach, we're not. You no, know, we're not we're not playing FIFA. We've not got a console and we're controlling everyone, every individual like players, moment, movement, decision making. In our yeah. training sessions, both on and off field, you want to be developing the skills and attributes that enable them to step across that white line and to be brilliant at observing things, brilliant decision makers. 
brilliant at being under pressure from a from a I guess a mental point of view as well as a physical technical tactical point of view I firmly believe that we can we set up the off-field coaching environments effectively with thought planning and clarity of purpose of why we're doing what we're doing so we'll, do, do, we'll develop just, players that can take those skills onto the field of play yeah no I think it's really important I think it's really useful to kind of share that insight but you know I guess the question I'm going to ask you this and this this is probably where the where a lot of the coaches thinking well yeah that's great but I get two hours a week with my players um and a question I'm going to ask you is 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 there room for that conversation around actually an off-field coaching session might be more impactful than the on-field coaching session today good question again it comes to clarity of like objectives in what you're doing in that on-field and off-field coaching session but an off-field coaching session could be like the 10 minutes you might have in a change room before you go out to train or play it could Mm -hmm. be a whatsapp group conversation that's a question or a video shared it doesn't i guess it's like can be quite formal or it can be quite so would it be fair to say that we're using the term session in terms of off-field coaching quite loosely and it's more just an on-field coaching interaction off-field coach yeah go with that I'll, I'll take that yeah I'll, I'm going to steal that off-field coaching interaction yeah it, it is it's just maximizing those engagements and opportunities we have with players in formal and informal environments support their development to be the best they can be right okay so then my, I guess the lead-up question to that then is or the follow-up question is how planned should that be because obviously now if we're not we're not looking at it as a interaction rather than a um a session a lot of people would probably argue and maybe make the case of actually it probably doesn't need to be as much planning but which i don't fundamentally agree with i just want to highlight that i do think interactions need to be planned and i don't think they all have to be planned but i think there should be some deliberate intentions around the types of interactions we're having why we're having them not necessarily always what they need to look like because of something sometimes the organic piece is probably better than anything else um but i think certainly some consideration around what's the content of the interactions rather than what's the methodology of them if that makes sense yeah I think you got it spot on there with like the intent I think it's clarity and intent of what you're doing and why you're doing it recognizing that again like we're all individuals and we'll all respond in different ways so I can remember a a player who um would you know in a more formal off-field coaching session slash team meeting where video is at the front of the screen and you've got you know 16 18 players in the room literally fall asleep and falling asleep in the chair and it'd be very easy to make a judgment on that player's like motivation or commitment or whatever it is just wasn't an environment that suited them you got that player in a one-to-one conversation and they were completely switched on they they knew what they were doing they understood their role and responsibility they understood the challenges that the opponents were were going to pose in, in the upcoming game like we're all different i've got like a bit of an anecdotal story that um when Gareth Southgate, whether he was with the seniors or under the under 21s, he wanted informal conversations with the players, but he didn't want like come and talk with me because that all of a sudden makes it formal. He used to walk up and down the corridor where their bedrooms were in the hotel, waiting for one, waiting for them to come out of the rooms to have that accidental collision. But there was intent and purpose behind it. Yeah. So again, it you know it links you know what is the best. Again, it's like what intent outcome of interaction off-field interaction recognizing that we're all different what is the best interaction for different players 
and yeah. we're getting quite complex here. I know it's going no, to be easy I, to keep I all think this such a, to it's, grow. It's, God, I haven't got time to think of all of this. But again, it's just thinking, how, how well do you know your players? What best suits them? And what's the best mechanism for supporting and helping them? That might well, be this is it, isn't it? Because... I think what you what you get within that, and I'm, this is just where my mind's taking me as you're speaking. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you could have the argument that there's not enough time in the day for all this, but actually, you might realise that through knowing Laura, actually, Laura only needs two minutes of my time, and it's job done with her. Actually, now that yeah. that affords me an extra six or seven minutes to go and give to so and so over here and so and so over there, but actually, no, Laura doesn't actually mind sitting in conversations with with Katie. So yeah. let's put Laura and Katie together, have that joint conversation where we've got that bit of a quote, quote unquote community of practice little thing going on there as well, and where they can engage yeah. and they can have they can actually then take away their thoughts and so I think there's so many different ways you can do it and I think fundamentally you know the, the key thing that I'm going to really try to take away from this conversation and hopefully the, the listeners will as well is that there's no right way to do this um <laughs> or rather there's no one right way to do this um there could probably be some you know very um ineffective or even very effective ways to do it but like you said fundamentally it's looking at what's going to help and hinder the individuals that you're working with at that given moment at a given time how well do you know them how well do you know what you can bring to the table and I think this is a really massive piece for me as as a, as a coach and even a coach developer and challenging coaches to think don't try and be someone that you're not mm-hmm. be authentic be who you are coaching the way that you want to coach but coaching the way you want to coach that suits the needs of the individuals you're working with because you've actually taken the thoughts and taken the time to t- you know assess and observe oh, what does laura need what does yeah. Laura, when does Laura come alive? Do you know what? Now, next time I see Laura up at St. George's Park, I'm going to talk about off-field coaching. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? I'm going to see how she, whether she's actually coined the phrase now, you know, it's off-field interactions rather than off-field sessions, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, just link in with that because that's actually where she comes alive. But it's no different to working with players on the pitch, right? Because you talk there about, you know, being in a setting where um, players are switching off and, and whatnot. But actually, that, could happen on on-field, on-field practice so uh, I guess it, my question to you now is well h- how much value do you place on it and, and how often or in what ways do you best suggest coaches go around priming players for these sorts of types of interactions Ooh, good question I get I'm a firm believer in like not it not being formulaic so like one of my one of my reflections when I think back to the time that I, again, work with our international squads, is if we were going away for like 10 days, that'd be like a rough, um, a rough like programme for each day. And built around the games, there would be like team meetings slash off-field coaching interactions, stealing it. Um, but they, they were almost like pre-planned. And for me, it's like, we, we don't know what the players are going to need until that game's being played. And that might be like different for different players. And it might not be having the whole squad together. It might, you know, it might be some individual stuff. You might not need anything, right? So I'm, I'm I'm not one for it being quite formulaic, which again will probably go against what is easier to do. So I think it, it's 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 being flexible. It's being it, again, it's knowing your players and knowing that one week it could be one thing and the next week it could be something different, just based on the flow of like what what we're doing. But fundamentally, knowing Almost, ha- I guess it's like having a bit of a having a bit of a menu of options, but not being like set on one. So yeah, your free course dinner, right? You've got three or four choices for your starter, three or four choices for your main, three or four co- choices for a pudding when you go to a, a restaurant. And it's a set menu. It's a bit like that. You've got I've got these options of how I can work with the players in this environment, but depending on how Yaz is today is going to dictate whether that's going to be the right choice, or depending on how. He, Yaz played in the game or what we've got coming up will dictate whether I'm bringing Yaz and Katie and Sai all together 
or I'm just going to have a chat with with Yaz on his own right. today and right. it's going to be but that, that's then so now, now, again if we're going with that analogy there run restaurant it's now taking the difference between a cook and a chef right it's understanding that this is set this is the only way that we're going to work these are yeah. the only options we've got but actually the chef can understand within that actually Laura likes a medium rare yeah right. yeah like that and, and it's just like fitting it within yeah you're still going to offer the same menu but actually still might need to be somewhat tailored for Laura yes in that actually hey you and I needed six minutes of my time each Laura yeah. might need 15 and that's yeah. fine um and it's just kind of meeting meeting in that she in might that need respect. 15 today but then actually for the next three weeks you're absolutely flying out well, um, you know, 100% you've kind of you've brought me on to another point and I'm really conscious of time now as well that I get a lot of observations and critique around sometimes the, the way I coach in, in that. They say, yes, you have a lot of conversations with your players. And I'm saying, yeah, but for me, I, I, I'm I'm looking at it as an investment on the front end. Mm-hmm. Those conversations on the front end, those those conversations around you know, getting their insights, getting their obse- observations, getting their feedback and their views and what's happening and their perceptions. Well, actually, I know if I, from experience, invest that time in the in the front end, Come and watch me again in six weeks and then again in 12. Those yeah. conversations are probably not going to be as as deep as they are now. There might still be questions, but they're going to be a lot shorter, snappier, because we've come to an agreement around some some understanding, but even an agreement around some maybe phrase and terminology that fits what we're trying to talk about there. But then I also know that actually me and Laura have had this conversation here and we, you know, we might have spent about six, seven minutes having this conversation around this one interaction. But in six or 12 or 13, 14, 25 weeks time, I can say, well, Laura, do you remember that conversation we had about this? Bang. Yeah. It's there. I don't have to revisit the whole conversation because I I fundamentally also believe that within that, the final piece is actually, you know, almost closing the loop and making sure that you've got absolute clarity on what the conversation was actually talking about. Yeah. And I think that piece is so key. So, you know, just kind of on a final note then, let's look to, you know, close the loop on this one what would you say are some key takeaways for you to kind of maybe want coaches listening to this to think about in terms of how they can maybe use data or use insights to kind of inform their practice and even their their interaction with their players I think yeah to summarize just think, you know as you were talking then I'm thinking you're going to ask me to summarize like the key takeaways from this aren't you and I was trying to like start going there keep it simple like just because there are loads of like tools and technologies out there doesn't mean that it's like technology first I come back to like what are the you know what are the fundamentals you as an individual coach are trying to work on and develop within yourself, what you're trying to work and develop with your players, what the challenges the game that game presents, how do you recognize player voice within that and include that as part of a collaborative, a collaborative conversation. Um oh, there's one other I've just lost my train of thought. Keep it simple. Did I say that? Well, I can ultimately yes, you know, did. that was the first one. Football's fun, right? Let's just do it with a smile on our face and create a brilliant cultural environment. That the players just want to keep coming back week after week because they're having a great time playing the game, enjoying the game, learning and developing. And as a role as a coach, if we can facilitate some of that, then I think we're doing a really good job. Don't forget the off-field coaching interactions. And those off-field coaching interactions, which I'm totally stealing. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Laura, really appreciate your time uh, really insightful and i really enjoyed the conversation i'm, I'm sure there's gonna be loads of messages that coaches are hopefully going to take away and apply in their own journeys but again a massive thank you for your time today no thanks for having me and yeah i hope the people that have listened this long have uh, taken something from it but yeah no thank you really enjoy awesome it. well there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission 
right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.